Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
Legacy of 1804, I am your host, Alice Backer. Today's date is September 8th, 2017. And tonight we are having a news and blog review. I was having a few technical difficulties, which is why we're starting with a little bit of a delay, and I apologize to those who may have tuned in right at nine. Uh, tonight, I want to do a couple things. Um, we want to go over what's happening Obviously, I think a lot of uh, people have questions about Irma in Haiti and its passage in Haiti, as well as in Florida. And we unfortunately are not joined tonight by Ujilal, our, our good friend and co-host of the blog review, because uh, Irma is passing through Florida where he lives. So all our thoughts are with him and his family as well as all of our friends and listeners in Florida tonight. We also want to discuss a few other news points tonight. Namely, we want to talk about, uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about the case of Fatima Oyol, who is a potential Haitian deportee uh, out of Canada. And tonight we want to talk about uh, another potential deportee out of the US and specifically out of New York State. And that would be Regina Castel. And uh, sadly, I don't have that story. That story uh, is a story that Daoud André has, and he promises to he promised to join us later in the show. So we'll be waiting for him for the update on that case. We also he's also going to be talking to us about the general amnesty campaign that uh, Komokoda is working on, and Komokoda, of course, is his organization that he is part of. I guess I should start with some of um, the reminders that I, I like to do, I like to bring to you weekly. And um, I guess it's always worth reminding everyone that the theme song which opened tonight's show is One Lutrara from the album Blues and Red. And it's by our good friend Bouillon Amboise and the Blues and Red Band. And here at Love1804, we amplify Haitian voices live on air every Friday night. We also amplify Haitian stories 
and Haitian news. And that is just the audio version of what we have been doing online at kisscassity.com since 2005. Also, of course, we are on Tumblr, Instagram, and of course, Twitter. So you can find us there under the handle Kiskeacity. And on Twitter, there are to date something uh, over 48,000 of you following, and I'm very thankful to all of you. The other online platforms I bring you are, of course, Haitian Bloggers, which is at Haitian Bloggers on Twitter, or Haitian Bloggers as a Facebook page. And that is where you can go read all of the Haitian bloggers that I've aggregated, all of their blogs update live in those places if you want to read them there instead of visiting each blog individually. If you enjoyed tonight's show and you find it constructive, please share it to Facebook and Twitter. You can also embed the player on your site after the show is over tonight. You can listen to past shows on iTunes by searching the keywords legacy of 1804 and past shows are also available under the LOF 1804 tab at com. To my usual listeners, uh, since I don't have a co-host on the air with me, if you wanted to send me a friendly text or message or tweet letting me know that uh, my sound is okay, that's going to be very helpful. Some of you are listening online and others are listening on the phone at 714-242-6119. Again, 714 one nine. Um, that number is the number to dial when you want to participate or when you want to just listen. And if you're on the phone listening and you're ready to speak, just press one so I can know you're in the queue. So let me start with the first story that I wanted to broach tonight. And actually, well, it's it's a story, but it's also um, it's also commentary. And um, this week we we saw we heard from there was a post on the Biennemi post, the latest post, and of course this was before the passage of Irma, I'm assuming. Uh, and uh, that post is Haiti. Port-au-Prince is broken for 99% of the population, but the rest of Haiti is filthy rich with food and land. And that is the title of the latest Biennemi post, post. And we've had Daniela Biennemi on the show several times. She says, hey, it's Daniela. First, I want to thank you for your patience with the weekly curated newsletter that I promised you over the summer. Second, if you have family in the Caribbean or if you live there, I hope you and your loved ones are safe. My trip to Haiti was extremely productive. I hope you'll like some of the interviews and stories I will be sharing during the next few weeks about Haiti's potential to emerge as a small business hub. 
Someone asked me on Facebook to share my first reaction about the country, and to be frank, the first thing I thought about upon spending time there is that Port-au-Prince is broken for 99% of the population, but Haiti is filthy rich with food and land. Below is a short, well, and you will find it on her uh, blog. It's a short four-minute video that highlights Leo Gan and its tremendous wealth potential. And Daniela goes on to say that she could have said that about every other part of Haiti, with the exception of Port-au-Prince. And that's the tragedy. You can click uh, the link uh, at her website, bienemipost.com, to watch the video. And um, one of the things that I wanted to share was a link Anyways, it was just one of the, anyway, that, so that was some of what um, she shared with us on her blog, and I'm hoping to get her on the show soon to discuss her trip, and uh, we may even, hopefully with her permission, relay some of her interviews on the show. So that's our trusty Daniela update. And now, of course, Irma generated lots of commentary on the Haitian blog this week. And um, and one of those, of course, is SC News, one of the most prolific Haitian bloggers. And let me share with you um, what she had to say about the passage of Irma on Haiti. She says, Hurricane Irma why Haiti and its population are so exposed to natural catastrophes. She says, many say the country is cursed, and for good reason. Almost inevitably, fatality seems to find its way to Haiti. While the little Haitian state of 10 million inhabitants was relatively spared by Irma, whose trajectory flirted with the north coast of Kiskeya, the island, which Haiti shares with the Dominican Republic, the passage of the hurricane should leave some deep traces, both on the human level and on the material level. Uh, we've seen waters uh, rise, and uh, many houses have seen their roofs taken by the wind. 
And if some, as Jose, Hurricane Jose approaches, love to talk about, again, the curse or voodoo curse to justify the bad luck, other reasons, more, much more down to earth, explain why Haiti and its population are so exposed to natural catastrophes. These catastrophes, whether they are hurricanes, earthquakes, or floods, which have multiplied to the point that a UN report published in 2016 to the point of causing the death of 230,000 people these last 20 years uh, made our country one of the most affected in the world. And in our memories, the 2010 earthquake where 200,000 died and Hurricane Matthew in 2012 of where at least 500 died, uh, continues to haunt Haitians. And so she posts a link to a, an LCI article, and the article is titled uh, Hurricane Irma, Why Haiti and Its Population Are So Exposed to Natural Disasters. Now, this article in LCI goes on to say that Haiti has a particularly precarious geographic um, uh, positioning. The island is situated right in the middle of classic cyclones forming in the, in the Atlantic, which uh, after having been const constituted near uh, Cape Verde, uh, along the coast of Africa, go up towards the Gulf of Mexico and the United States and sweeps very often Haiti. Reinforced by the heat of um, surrounding seas, uh, depressions are then, then reach uh, their, their peak of power causing a giant, colossal um, damages. Uh, fragile vis-a-vis -vis the climate, the country uh, is also fragile vis-a-vis -vis geology because it is situated on an important a fault line of Caribbean tectonic plates and uh, on the border of the North American plate in 2010. It was after a um, lateral um, brush of those plates that we saw several earthquakes of the most murderous of recent history. 
even if some of these devastating earthquakes can happen inside the, the, the plates, uh, away from the margins, more than 95% of uh, seismic energy liberated at the surface of the earth is at the fault lines of plates, says the uh, French Institute of Research on Marine Exploitation. The region uh, has uh, a past of recurring earthquakes, said a, a French seismologist based in the United States. And then, of course, the article goes on to talk about corruption and extreme poverty. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, there's a lot said about uh, actual um, environmental issues, man-made man environmental issues in the article. So anyway, that is the article that was posted by our friend, the blogger, Elsie News on Hurricane Irma. Now, I'd like to do uh, a short musical break, or just a musical break, and then we can come back and discuss the case of uh, the case of um, the imminent deportation of Reginald Castell. Okay, we're going to talk about that when we come back. And for you, I am going to play Party by uh, Keb Bastien. Yes, the, the audio takes a little time. Aujourd'hui, vous coller à importer la honte. Minusta, mon grief, casque bleu, omnivore et vorace. Je dénonce l'ONU avec tous vos fusils, mon bol Entendez toute ma haine pour mes frères infectés et violés. Putain, je crie. Pour violer nos enfants, leur demanderez vos talons. Partez, je dis, partez. Je vous crie aujourd'hui, c'est siège de New York, ma seule ronde. 
Je vous écris par pitié pour vous poser une question qui me rend. Quand est-ce que vous vous cassez un bloc de la terre de nos aïeux pour désentraver notre conception? Pour violer nos enfants, leur de montrer vos talons. Partez, je dis, partez. Que ma plume devienne bombe, que ma langue soit tranchante. Qu'à chaque mot, un projectile, à chaque chanson, une fusillade, des lots de corps, un casquette bleu. Pour que l'ONU se questionne, la minusta abandonne sa mission de bêtise infectieuse, bactérienne. Que ma rage soit antibiotique, antiseptique, antithétique. Une bactéricide, antiallergique, antifongique. Qu'elle soit anti-ONU, antinomique, anti-impérialiste, anti-colonialiste, anti-esclavagiste, putain, rationaliste. Que cette mélodie soit anti-misère, misère vie fabriquée, parasismique, contre les séries provoquées, qu'elle soit stérilisable, désinfectable, une rage qui allait aux assauts des clincheurs, d'une avalanche de chansons pour la révolte finale. Entendez toute ma haine, à gorge déployée pour redonner souffle. Mes frères infectés, mes sœurs violées. And we are back. That was Keb Bastien, his song Pate, which as many know, and we've played interviews of him on the show. That is a song asking for the UN to leave Haiti. So here's a story about Reginald Castel. Um, and it, it comes out in the Democrat and Chronicle, which is part of the USA Today Network. And the, the story's uh, title is Family, Rochester Man Faces Imminent Deportation by ICE. Family and friends of a Rochester man who they say faces imminent deportation to his native Haiti organized a rally in support of him Saturday. Regina Castel, 44, is currently detained at the Buffalo Federal Detention Facility in Batavia by U.S. Immigration and Customs enforcement, his family says. Castel, a native of Haiti, moved to Rochester with his family when he was young. He currently lives in Northeast Rochester with his wife and children. His family is asking for the public's help in keeping Castel in the U.S. They said they received notification from ICE Friday that Castel was being processed for deportation. Attempts to reach the ICE's regional office in Buffalo on Saturday were not successful. 
We've just been holding on with each other as sad as we can because we don't know what's going to happen, said Lashonda Castell, Regina's wife. Mary Adams, a Rochester City School District board member, organized the rally. This is an emergency response to an imminent deportation of a man who has lived in this country since he was eight and has never returned to his home country. Castell was convicted of first-degree assault in 1999 and served just over six years in state prison. That jeopardized his permanent resident or green card status, family said. Family and community advocates said Castell's ineffective legal counsel led him to agree to a plea deal, which turned out to be a truly, truly raw deal for him on multiple levels. They added that Castell has atoned for his mistake and became a valuable member of the city's foundation. According to them, the victim signed an affidavit asking for the conviction to be vacated. The Monroe Country District Attorney's Office has until September 25th to respond, but he could be deported before that, family and friends said. They are calling for all appeals and motions to be ruled upon before a final decision is rendered by the Bureau of Immigration Appeals. School Board President Van White sent a letter on Castell's behalf to ICE. He also helped to the, the Rochester City School District Board of Education adopt rules last month meant to shield immigrant and refugee students against disruptions from law enforcement looking into their legal status. He is a law-abiding citizen. He is a giving father, a loving husband, and a contributing member of this community, White said. We can ill afford to lose someone like that. White, who is also an attorney, wrote a letter to ICE White, who is also an attorney, wrote a letter to ICE where he stated, effective legal redress is pending regarding the root cause of Mr. Castell's immigration troubles, a criminal conviction via a problematic plea deal many years ago. There is a pending motion for vacation. White said he is going to draft a petition to pardon Castell to Governor Andrew Cuomo. We are going to do what we can with what with that love and that law to keep Reggie here, home in America, White said. And of course, there was a rally in Northeast Rochester to, start, to stop the deportation of Regina Castell. Castell's 14-year-old daughter, Niasha, said she can't imagine life without her father. She said they love to play basketball and go to dinner together. It's a lot, she said. I have to grow up without a dad if he leaves, and it's just rough. My parents are divorced, so it would be just me and my mom. It's hard to think that I would have to grow up without my father in my life. He is a good man, and I just think he deserves to stay. Niasha Castell said she has visited her father a few times in Batavia. The first time I saw him, it was sad because he was really stressed out, she said. The second I went to see him, he had a really positive attitude, and he was thinking that everything's going to be okay. That's what we need to do, just be positive about everything. She added, it makes me feel happy that he has a lot of people out here 
to support him. And among those people was school board president Van White, who spoke in support of Castell um, at that rally in Rochester City. So that is the Regional Castell story right before coming on air tonight. I did indeed get a, um, a text from Dawood Andri, who, if all goes well, should be joining us a little later, and uh, about the story. And he said that uh, Cuomo's number is 518-474-8390, 518-474-8390. And those who want to help Regina Castel not be deported can participate in the campaign by calling Governor Cuomo's office. Um, so <clears throat> that is um, this um, unfortunate story of the Regina Castel uh, and his imminent deportation. Um, now, uh, going back to the, um, I guess the hurricane story, There was a, a very interesting blog post that came out today from the uh, from the, the the Kenny Moise blog, and it was titled uh, "Climate Change, Migration, and Healthcare in Gonaive." And um, why don't we take that story back up? Because I actually, when I read the the article posted by LC News, I, I thought that you know there should have been more about man-made. Um, pollution and man-made um, environmental issues. And I think this article touches on that. So, our, so Kenny Moise, one of the many uh, blogs aggregated in Haitian bloggers says, in 2006, I spent my first night in Gonaive during a trip from Port-au-Prince. Hurricane Anna and Ike were two years away from burying the city underwater one more time. All I knew about Gunaive at the time was its historical significance as the site of the very first declaration of Haiti's independence. But after participating in a recent study on cholera in Gunaive, I've gotten a clearer message of not only the city, but of the impact of climate change on urban development and its consequences on healthcare accessibility. I believe traditional medicine can help reduce this problem. Gonaive is Haiti's third most populated city, sheltering 356,324 people as of 2015. Gonaive is at an important crossroad for commerce from the northern region of the country towards Port-au-Prince, the capital. The concentration of public services in the city attracts people from all over Haiti. Despite its demographic and geographic importance, Gonaive is infamously vulnerable and weak in the face of natural disasters. In the 1970s, many countryside citizens began moving to urban centers to work in the, den in the then booming manufacturing industry. Although population movement continues to happen, employment is not its only guiding force. 
According to the International Organization for Migration, rural urban movements in Haiti are often due to environmental events. My experience in Gonaive taught me how climate change contributes to inflate the city's population. People who live in vulnerable areas in dry seasons move up to the hills in neighborhoods in the periphery of Gonaive to be safe from floods during the rainy seasons. The impact of hurricanes Anna and Ike in 2008 influenced Gonaive's population increase and even forced the emergence of new neighborhoods. The city's population almost doubled from 2003 to 2015. As a matter of fact, between 1954 and 2012, no less than 19 major hurricanes have affected Haiti. Due to persistent vulnerabilities and fiercer hurricane seasons, maybe due to warmer temperatures, such disasters will continue to haunt us. With Category 5 Hurricane Irma currently approaching Haiti, vulnerable populations are still ill-prepared. How does this affect population health? As cities expand, services such as clean water, sanitation, and healthcare become less accessible since the existing structures fail to match the growing demand. In a 2000 national survey in Haiti, they determined that a large number of people consult traditional healers when they are sick before they turn to a physician because of the former's proximity to the people. Trends in drug sales in cities like Port-au-Prince show that most drugs are available over-the-counter and sold in the streets. Self-medication is also an essential option for Haitians when it comes to treating an ailment. Leveraging self-medication to bridge the gap in healthcare accessibility is not the answer. However, traditional medicine might be worth considering as it is already playing an important role in the care system in general, particularly in the work being done to eliminate cholera. Let me explain through an anecdote. Most traditional healers, like one middle-aged woman whose presentation on a panel I recently listened to, draw a line between what she called natural cholera and one they consider mystical. According to her, mystical cholera is mild diarrhea that lasts a few days, unlike natural cholera, which kills within hours if left untreated. When people come to Alaku or Vodou Temple for treatment for mystical cholera, the Mambu said, they are treated with starch, molasses, and a little nutmeg. If this does not improve the person's condition, they refer him or her to the closest hospital or health center. center. In my professional opinion, mystical cholera does not actually exist, but the natural remedies used to treat it are perfectly suitable for healing many kinds of diarrhea. Fortunately, most healers know how to recognize symptoms of actual cholera, provide first aid and oral rehydration, and redirect people to cholera treatment centers. The lesson here is that as a part of the healthcare system in Haiti, traditional healers can leverage their know-how regarding natural treatment and their proximity to a large part of the population to improve access to care. But the Department of Pharmacopoeia and Traditional Medicine of the Ministry of Health needs to do more extensive work by surveying and training the traditional healers and promoting their expertise locally. But being a tradition rather than a formal profession, traditional medicine could pose some challenges as the practices are not backed by a uniform and evidence-based science. 
Given the continuing increase in global temperature, it would be delusional to imagine Haitian cities less vulnerable to natural disasters as they continue to expand. Haiti signed the Paris Agreement, which propels initiatives to empower peasants and fight the effects of climate change. Therefore, despair is unnecessary. As stated on the lotto stand during one of my visits, we need to prepare for tomorrow, penser à demain. Climate change will continue to disrupt our society and the accessibility of healthcare. This liability can be turned into an opportunity to build upon the knowledge and position of traditional healers to close the gap. Traditional medicine and community members can be among the most important steps, steps towards progress. And this article, which of course uh, shows up on the Moise Kenny blog, uh, also was published on Wood Magazine before Hurricane, uh, Hurricane Irma hit uh, Haiti on September 7th, 2017. So with that, we will take a second musical break. And when we will come back, I will bring you more news and commentary. And this time we are going to take kind of a break from the Engage music and listen to some fun music and dance music. And this time we're going to listen to Tifan's Tsukesa. Sukesa, an original track from Tiffany, you know, Jimmy Walker. Sukesa, je vais vous apprendre à vous débarrasser du stress. Suivez-moi attentivement maintenant, c'est moi la maîtresse. Mettez-vous debout, entrez dans la danse. Dégondissez-vous, nous allons tous être en danse. Sukesa, une nouvelle. 
Legacy of 1804. That was Tifan Sukisa. Pretty fun hit. And and I want to move on to the story which uh, is, is actually more of a diaspora story. It actually touches the, the diaspora. And uh, we discussed it briefly last week with Hugues uh, when he was with us. And uh, we talked last week about how the diaspora, well, the, the current government in Haiti is threatening to impose a 10,000 gourd tax a year on the diaspora. And apparently, thanks to Senator Antonio Chirami, who is now well, uh, who's, uh, who's, who's also known, um, who, who is also a, a famous Haitian singer, that tax has been um, removed. The, the, you know, they're no longer, well, whatever, that, that bill uh, is not going to pass, apparently. So let's, I'm reading here from um, LC News and uh, translating simultaneously from her blog, she's based in Paris, she writes in French. Uh, she says the uh, Senator uh, Antonio Chiami um, was able, despite the opposition of the Tete Calais and the support of what she calls the sellers of microphones, well, he was able to have the $10,000, sorry, the 10,000 gourd tax on the diaspora removed. Senator Antonio Chiami, she continues with his bell, obtained the removal of this ransom, which is how she's calling the tax. Uh, unfortunately, because of the circumstances, the Tetkali majority in the Senate, um, the criminal budget was approved. It is a shame, she says, a shame assumed without uh, shame and without scruples by those awful Tetkali who are Restovex of the uh, private sector, inheritors of Makut military devaluerism and its ideology based on the well looking down on the population and predation of the national treasury i.e the state's finances the majority of the deputies and, and senators from tetkali uh, just dream uh, and aspire to emulate the leaders of the Juvalier regime to accumulate uh, property coming from, well, ill-acquired property 
and to place it in Swiss banks or fiscal paradises. Uh, only one senator among them voted against the law, and uh, that is Patrice Dumont, apparently, and he explains clearly the reason for his opposition to their budget. And, um, and so she links to, the, to a Rizona Dweck article, and uh, it's, title in the, it's titled, in the Senate, Patrice Dumont explains why he voted against the 2017-2018 budget. And um, the story goes, the only senator to vote against the 2017-2018 bill, uh, budget bill, presented to the parliament by the Moïse Lafontaine administration uh, in the absence of Antonio Chiami and his brothers in arms, the representative of, of, the, of the West, Patrice Dumont, Patrice Dumont, surprised the public, and he explained his reasons uh, below. So uh, reason number one, he says that the, the bill uh, violates uh, Article 218 of the Constitution, which was amended, and which stipulates that um, no taxes uh, profiting the state can be established as a law through a bill. Uh, no charge, no imposition, whether departmental or municipal, uh, whether communal, can be established with the consent of these um, territorial collectivities. That's number one. Number two, he says, Article 1 of the proposed budget says that the government's resources Anyway, this seems to be a pretty technical point, uh, which he's taking. Um, it's a pretty t uh, technical accounting point, which I, I'm not going to belabor and specifically try to translate at this late hour. Um, and then, but this is the, the third point, which is pretty interesting. He says that he had hoped that the budget would, uh, would have taken into account the distress of the youth by increasing uh, taxes on alcohol and tobacco. And he says that, um, unfortunately, Article 9 of the budget um, imposes too little uh, only a 12% tax on cigarettes and cigars produced in Haiti uh, without mentioning uh, alcohol and, uh, and, and 20% on imported ones. And he says that, that's, uh, that, that uh, globally the average tax on these types of products is uh, 35% to 40%. Um, now he does go on to address um, in his fourth point, he does go on to address the uh, $10,000 gourd tax. Uh, sorry, that's it, the 10,000 gourd tax. And 
Um, so there's a contradiction apparently um, in the 10,000 gourd tax. Um, So from what I'm understanding uh, by reading uh, through a cursory reading of the paragraph in French, from what I'm understanding, it looks like um, the tax was going to demand that those whose fiscal domicile is outside of Haiti have to show proof that they are, um, they are not in violation of the of the, the 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 fiscal administration of their country of residence. So he's saying that there's a contradiction and, that, and an insult to um, Haitians living abroad because they're being asked to, to get a, um, essentially a visa. They're being asked to get a visa which would violate the 2001 law which gives privileges to um, Haitians, people of, of Haitian descent uh, who are supposed to have a nationality. They're supposed to have Haitian nationality according to that 2001 law. Um, so they cannot be asked for essentially a visa. Uh, and specifically that 2001 law says that um, uh, people of Haitian descent should not have to um, to get a visa. So, given that it's not possible for this 10,000 gourd to be imposed on them when they are trying to, um, this 10,000 gourd tax to be imposed on them. Number five, um, according to Patrice Dumont, Dumont and the reason why he's not, you know, he's opposing um, this, ta this tax and this is this is the fifth and last reason that he talks about he says Um, he says that the budget recognizes that it, it does not know where the government will take 19 billion gourds to finance projects. And um, already the dilapidation of Petro-Caribe funds, the Haitian state, um, since the, since, sorry, since the, since the dilapidation of Petro-Caribe funds, the Haitian state uh, owes about 200 billion gourds. 
So, um, and that the interest to be paid this year are about 14 billion. And so he's saying that the, the budget is basically a budget of indebtedness. So those are the reasons that he gave to vote against the budget, but uh, the budget did pass. So we have come to the point of the show where we are essentially waiting to um, get a call from David André, so because he's going to tell us more about the Regional Castel story, but mainly uh, tell us more about the uh, Komukodas campaign for general amnesty, um, which um, we'll get into the background of that, but it is related to um, all the hoopla that happened over TPS a few months ago. Okay, I believe he is on the line. Let me just double check to make sure it is him. Um, Dawood, would that be you? That is Dawood. How are you, Alice? All right. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, we are delighted to have you, and uh, we read, uh, we already read a, a story uh, that came out uh, about the the rally that happened in Rochester, New York, about Regina Castel, and we yes. uh, we, we shared the number of um, Cuomo's office, and so we definitely yes. want to hear on you about that story and then we would love of course to hear about uh, the latest with Komokoda and the general amnesty campaign but um you know so, share with us what you will so thank you very much uh, alice for uh, well sharing the work that we do with uh, uh, the community with your listeners now uh, the case of reginald castell it came to us from activists in the African-American community who were supporting Reginald and his family. What the first thing that will hit someone about this case is that Reginald's case is not an isolated incident. This is like what happens every day. Millions of people that were deported by Obama and the people that they say are criminals. And it's very complicated what makes someone a criminal as opposed to someone else. But anyway, I don't know if how much detail you gave about the incident. It seems that Reginald had gotten into a fight with a friend of his. And as a result of this fight, he was arrested. I think it was a some kind of assault charge, and he he took a plea that he didn't know would have meant that he gave up his residency because he's he came here at eight years old, I understand, and he has a, a green card. And this is the case that happens with so many 
a people who get caught up with law enforcement over here. And at the end of them serving this time that they were given, then they found, find out that uh, they are to be deported. What happens because uh, of the earthquake, because the U.S. was not deporting people uh, uh, for some time, Reginald was not deported, but then, uh, you know, this accelerated business with Donald Trump, this is how it seems he got in the crosshairs and was told that he he was going to be deported. And I understand his family had been fighting. And for us, this week is just an extra opportunity that the Reginald has because they would have deported him since like two or three days ago. But because of yeah. the uh, hurricane, uh, Irma, so there is a delay in this uh, for one week. And uh, the activists, the lawyers, the, the, the family, what they are hoping is that uh, Cuomo, the governor of New York, would give a pardon. Since it seems if you have a pardon, if from any of the governors of the 50 states, then it, it removes the the logic that would lead you to be deported for a criminal charge. So this is where it is, and we are supporting them, and we are supporting the family's call for folks to pressure, hold demonstrations, and call Cuomo and ask that, you know, you, they're so, uh, care so much about immigrants, you know, to stop this. He has three kids here. Uh, oh, I think maybe seven kids from what I understand that, mm-hmm. that he has uh, who were born here. So basically this is what Reginald's case is. Now, for us, Reginald's case, which is about deportation, the TPS case, temporary protected status, that mm-hmm. I understand about 40,000 Haitians have renewed, have done the renewal application. Understand, uh, folks should know as well that in total, it's about 300,000 people from 10 different countries around the world who have TPS right now. And the DACA, uh, this is the children that were bought here before they were 16 and Obama gave this to those that are in 2012 to those that had not yet reached 31 and that of course everyone knows last Tuesday Donald Trump is doing announcing that he's going to do away with that all of this it leads us in the direction that you know it has to be a large-scale movement of mm-hmm. not just immigrants, but all people of conscience living in this country to say that, you know, they say, they recognize that this is a country of immigrants, that the persecution needs to end, the racism needs to end, we we call it racism instead of a straight xenophobia because 
they are not chasing down undocumented immigrants from Ireland or from Canada <laughs> or from right. France. Right. They are hunting down people who look a certain kind of way. So with Komokoda, we are part of a coalition that is called Mobilization for Amnesty for All. And we are asking everyone to join forces to force the Congress to pass and to force Donald Trump to sign a general amnesty for the 11 million. We believe all of these cases have to be brought together because if these kids, 800,000 who have the DACA right now, if Obama had somehow given them uh, a green card, they wouldn't be in this situation right now. So in a way, the Democrats, they're very hypocritical because during his administration, Barack Obama, he had majority in both houses, you see? Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we think that uh, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, hypocritical of the Democrats right now to be acting like this is the end of the world and that, you know, big bad Donald Trump is doing this. But what did they do when they had every opportunity to do it? So this is a, where we are. We are asking everyone to join this movement. We, a, on Eastern Parkway on Monday, we gave out 5,000 flyers calling for a general amnesty to inform family about what the general amnesty is. Mm -hmm. And... A, We've made 10,000 more this week that we are giving out in churches, in the community. Alice is going to get her pack <laughs> so she can share with her, her sure. you know, network. Yeah. So Absolutely. the folks that are listening, because as we were giving out the flyers on Monday, some people were like, no, no, I've got my papers. It's not about I got my papers. It's Correct. about understanding that there are 11, more, they say 11 million, and I'm certain it's some more people right. who are, who came here for the same reason that you're here, if Absolutely. you, or your parents came here. And so uh, this is your fight. This is, and if you're someone who uh, is not of immigrant, I mean, everybody here basically came from somewhere, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. But even uh, to understand that this is simply justice, like the reason a lot of people are here is because of a difficulty created by the United States and European countries in our countries that uh, created conditions where we left our, our, our country. So uh, this is the call that we are uh, making right now. Now, Dawood, I know your time is limited. We have a caller uh, raising their hand. I'm going to open the line um, and take the question if no the question problem. is for you. Otherwise, I'll take the question okay. after, after you're gone. Okay, so okay. caller in 845, I just opened your line. Um, do you have a, a call or a question or comment for Dawood? I had a question for him. Um, I was reading an article today 
actually it wasn't today, it was a couple of weeks ago, my bad. And I'm talking about the the stress amongst Haitian men, especially in Haiti. And nobody's talking about mental issues regarding the Haitian population because they're saying that the suicide rate amongst Haitians, which is something that's very unique because from from what I was reading, Haiti has one of the lowest suicide rates in the world. But for some reason in America, the suicide rate amongst Haitian young, like young black males is, is, is rising, especially depression and just overall stress itself. And I want to know mm-hmm. why the Haitian community, it's almost like a taboo to talk about something like that. Like, it's almost like if you bring that up in the Haitian community, they look at you like you're crazy or they want to change the subject. Well, like it's very taboo. And that's one mm-hmm. thing, like even with my mother, like at times when I still bring up depression, She's like, ah, just open your Bible and read your Bible. God will give you strength. Like, it's just like everything is just so read the Bible and God will give you strength. They never address the root of the crisis going on, especially in black America with all this. Because they say that suicide rate just in America in general amongst black people, which which is very unique, like I said before, it's skyrocketing. It's almost to the point where it's going to be as high as white men at some point. That's what they're saying. And the, okay. like, especially so the Haitian community, let's like have that one address what you've already asked, because I, 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 we get a sense of your question. And then if you can, please uh, send me the article about the Haitian suicide rate uh, at the LOF1804 hashtag or just tweet it to me so I can share it with everyone. Or And actually, I've been planning on bringing a psychiatrist on who, who works with um, both Haitian spirituality and Western psychiatric um, slash uh, psychotherapy um, techniques. Um, so maybe we can have a show about that. But please send me the article. And um, Dawood, I don't know if you have anything to say to that. I mean, Dawood did come to you speak know, about uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to, I mean, I acknowledge that uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, pressure, I, not just on Haitian men, black men, like, you know, but uh, the community, Haitian community, black people in general. And I agree with the brother that this is a issue that needs to be addressed much more. It's not just about like picking up your Bible, as he said that, you know, his, his mom says. And why, I mean, I would uh, encourage you, Alice, to do a program about that, as you said, and to go into the reality of mental illness in our community. It's a, it's a much more serious problem than people acknowledge. This is a, 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 what I can say about that. Like, I don't know about the article that he spoke about. And, a, but a, our, our meeting is over, so I can stay with you if you want to take more callers so okay um well uh caller in 845 do you want to uh do you have to come back to that no that's it thank you guys all right thank Thank you you for calling in okay so this is great um no that would let's just take the rest of the time i mean it's not I, i don't have a whole lot of time here but let's just take the rest of the time to um um, you know, uh, go through this whole general amnesty issue. And I know that this week on your show, you did talk about 
uh, there's apparently, a, I think, is it a Mexican woman or it's a Latin American woman who has taken refuge from Guatemala uh, in a in yeah, a church. Name, Do you want to tell us name, a little a, a little bit about that? Yeah, this is this is a, a called sanctuary. So this is uh, churches that are giving refuge to uh, immigrants, undocumented or out-of-status immigrants, who have uh, an order of deportation. So the case that uh, there have been uh, a couple of thousand cases around the country, but the case at Iglesia Santa Cruz in uh, Washington Heights, the, this is a sister named Amanda, who has mm -hmm. three kids who are born here from, she's from Guatemala. And uh, she was supposed to, <laughs> she went to report what they call the check-in, and as she had done regularly, but she went to this last check-in and they told her that she is to be deported. Although she had been here 13 years, you know, and so they told her to come back with a plane ticket to Guatemala one way. And actually she did. She bought a plane ticket and she went there back to the check-in. And then they told her, well, this ticket is no good because it has a stopover in Florida. And so they said, you have to come back on this date with a one-way direct flight to Guatemala. And on that day, instead of going back to immigration, she walked into Iglesia Santa Cruz, where the pastor, Reverend Luis Barrios, who is an activist, a well-known activist, former co-director of IFCO Pastors for Peace, he opened the doors to the chair of the church to Amanda and her kids. And at this point, you know, she's still in the church. She has a 90-day stay because her lawyers had gone to court while she was at the church. But she is still staying in the church and fighting to get something more permanent because in 90 days, it's like nothing. It's, it's, it's you snap your finger and then it, it passes. So our movement also, we are working with many churches in the Haitian community to ask the churches to open their doors as sanctuaries for people in the Haitian community or whoever else you know, that has a, an order of deportation. It's a, a, we organized a forum uh, a few weeks ago, and we are planning something else with more churches uh, towards the end of October. Uh, so this is, um, no, I'm sorry, towards the end of September. So uh, we want to encourage folks, I can give my phone number if, uh, Someone, uh, two numbers from Komokoda for the coalition that we're in. If someone is affiliated with a church who is offering a sanctuary or who would like to get more information about the sanctuary movement, they can call uh, me, 347-730-3620, uh, 
or they can call Fitzner, who's a member of Comocoda as well, 718-440-6892. Repeat your number again, please. Okay, 347-730-3620. Mm -hmm. Or the other number is 718-440-6892. I know a, a lot of people listening to you would probably be, I, I suppose, folks that are born here or have been here a exactly. long time and right. they, mm -hmm. they have their papers or their citizens. But what we want to explain to them is, you know, this is the issue of immigration, like the, the panic that created the a push of thousands of Asians going to Canada last month. This is something that is very real right now for immigrants that are here. Oh, absolutely. Even like people that have a green card are not secure. This is in this reality. And what we're encouraging folks is to join this movement. And we're saying let's not fight for piecemeal solutions like right now we know there's a lot of people who are there are a lot of people engaged in uh, a fight to renew TPS for again? Haitians. again I haven't even heard that oh yeah because the renewal was for only what 90 days or something what six, was it for it was six months it six was months, for six right. months so this is gonna end January 22nd you know so uh, <laughs> We're telling them, yeah, you know, right now, you shouldn't have any, because there are Democrats that are pushing, like, you know, even some Republicans to renew TPS. And we're like, why do you want to fight for something that leads nowhere? TPS leads nowhere. DACA leads nowhere. It doesn't lead to regularization of status. So every time it has to be renewed, 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 and at the whim of whoever, you know, happens to be in power. And so we're saying, you know, like I said before, these 800,000 kids, Obama could have offered them a green card. He could have a, led a strong fight to get the, the, this general amnesty thing we're talking about. And folks have to keep in mind, the last time there was a general amnesty in this country was in 1986 under a Republican president, Ronald Reagan, you know, who at one point was hostile against, you know, immigrants, so just like you see this, this attitude of Trump. So we're saying if enough people join this fight and they work, the, you know, assiduously, you know, we can make it happen. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for leading that campaign, number one. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, are you finding coalition with non-Haitian groups as well for the general amnesty campaign? 
or yes, so far, yes, mainly, uh, is this generally mainly in the Haitian community, the, the campaign? It, the group, uh, our working group is in the Haitian community, but mm -hmm. uh, around uh, support for Amanda in Washington Heights, we have uh, been working with uh, groups in the Latino community who are very uh, supportive, uh, really want to join it. So uh, to push it in their own communities, we're trying to get to other states to get the message out because we believe everyone who is fighting for immigration, if you understand the difference between TPS and a green card, this is a no-brainer. If you understand the difference between DACA and a, a, a green card for these kids. I mean, these kids, they should just give them citizenship if they want it. <laughs> you know, I don't see, these are people that they know have been here since 2007, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, these are, I mean, this is like part of what qualifies you uh, for uh, DACA. There is this myth also that there are a lot of kids in our community have DACA. It's not something that is really prevalent in our community because by the time Obama did this in 2012, most of the people had already who who would could have used this had probably already applied for TPS. You know, kids who had been here in that age group. So it's not something that's very prevalent in our community. But still, we, we want folks to understand that it's possible to wage a fight for regularization, for this is how they call it here, general amnesty, as if you committed some crime by coming here without papers and they are pardoning you. Joking to say that, but this is the the terminology, the the way this is happening here. But uh, I really hope that in your audience, if there are folks listening who can call us, help us to distribute these ten thousand flyers we're trying to get out in one month, mm -hmm. and then to do another ten thousand uh, and more if we get enough support for it to really get the word out about the, the, this general amnesty movement. All I, right. well, I hope there you. is one person in your, in your audience who, who would call and say something about this general amnesty. What do they think of it? Like, do they support it? Do they think it's something they want to join? If they have some criticism, we would really love to get feedback about that. Yeah, and uh, look, when I receive the materials, I can um, spread them around, and that's how we'll get more reactions and feedback. By the way, okay. Uh, which, by the okay. way, remember we got remember we got feedback the last time as I was spreading around uh -huh. the, the the Clinton flyer. So that's what's gonna happen. You, you're gonna Spread get around. in trouble again. 
Well, no, we won't get in trouble, but we will get <laughs> the, the feedback you're um, you're asking about. And I think there's a lot of people in my audience who are going to be very, um, you know, very friendly to the campaign. The only thing is obviously the TPS campaign, because it's uh, supported by the Democratic Party establishment, is going to get, a, you know, a lot more press and play <laughs> because, you know, they have when they do these campaigns, they have a lot of PR muscle behind them. But, but, but I, I but think people still, I should think understand I, I, the difference, you know? Yes, I think people should understand the difference. But I also think it's not a question of being against TPS so much as what we're trying to convey is we're trying to say, look, yes, we can put a lot of energy for another six months of TPS. Um, mm. But what is the long term solution? Because TPS essentially or even, or even if it's eighteen months, you know, even if even if you get an eighteen month extension, yeah. you're still in a precarious reality. You're still in a you very know, how precarious do you plan reality. your life? Yeah. You know, yeah, and plan and, and, and life, I mean, right? is, is, isn't that the reason we saw so many? I mean, you've covered that extensively as well. That's the reason we saw so many people go to the state, go to the stadium in Montreal, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So this is great. Um, uh, I'm. I think that we've we've. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will continue talking about general amnesty. I did appreciate the caller who uh, called to talk about mental health. We we have a lot of different shows in the works on that, specifically about also the issue of the children that the Haitians who went to Canada left. Uh, who are going to be uh, placed in foster care here. There, there are going to be lots of, I mean, we talk about mental health issues, but there's going to be lots of issues with children left here or even in Haiti um, by those who, um, you know, went to Canada to seek uh, an, uh, asylum. So we're um, actually looking to have a show on that and um, all of that with, will tie into the mental health piece. But I also um, do have plans, and I've, this has been for several months now, uh, to bring in um, a uh, psychotherapist who I met uh, actually uh, at a voodoo ceremony who was saying that he incorporates uh, both voodoo, both, uh, you know, traditional um, Haitian spirituality and modern psychotherapy in his practice. And uh, maybe we can talk about um, all of this issue. I This is a female Latina suicide, uh, teen Latinas uh, in Brooklyn. I hadn't yet heard about um, about it for the Haitian community. I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, we're living in really tough times. And this, this, these can be really tough times for young people um, and, you know, and, and for people in general, especially people who, um, you know, are not addressing the hit issues head on and who are only looking at the Bible for, um, for solace, obviously, that it can, it can work for some people. It cannot work for everybody, and it, it doesn't address the broader issues. So thank you again for joining us. We will be back okay, next week at the same very, time. Thank you very much. Thank and you. at the same place, thank you, thank you Daoud André, and see everybody here again next week. I'm leaving you with some uh, closing music. I will leave you uh, with uh, one of my favorites. And um, actually, let's do uh, Shirley Sky and her song, uh, uh, Uma Kim. And um, have a good night.
travailleur facile pour nous. Chaque jour c'est un combat, c'est un pression pour nous survivre. Qu'est-ce ça qui veut faire quoi l'en paradis? Décider d'ignorer la caille, nous nous paillons. Toujours sentir ta compétité, belle mais pas remplacer maman. Depuis ta moi prends oreille, c'est où moi, ouais, chérie, où manquer. Haïti, où manquer. Oh, Je mettais 